You see it every day. The first dollar you earn from your first customer. Now it hangs on your wall at headquarters. A reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come. In part because you rely on Sandy Spring Bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. This is what renting furniture with Feather looks like. Pieces that fit your style and your space and cost less than your monthly phone bill. Oh, and did we mention delivery and assembly included? Feather. Start renting at livefeather.com. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's Wolves Fancast, David Evans here. Oh, what a week it's been, gentlemen. What a week, and to join me on that week, Stu's here. Oh, it's been a week. It's been a week, Matt's here. Hello. And special guest this week, Johnny Phillips is here. Hello. Off, off the telly. How are you? Off Sky Sportsland. <laughs> <laughs> and in real life as well. Yeah, in person as well. Second appearance, she did our media series That's right. last season. On home turf, that on was. Ho- yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, you can get that on the archives as well. Um, it's called Episode 5, Documentaries and Features. Um, we're going to talk about those two wins, gents, Besiktas and Man City. And Johnny's here because, not just because obviously you're a fan of the show and you wanted to come on, but you've That's got a, true. you've got a book book to plug as well. I have, yeah, yep. shamelessly plugging yeah. it wherever I go. <laughs> so we're going to my wares. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We've got the quiz and we've got Twitter corner as per usual. Now, Johnny, as a guest on the show, yeah, have your tea first. Don't no, worry. go on, go for it, go for it, go for it. <laughs> Every guest, we always ask them three questions, yeah. the same three questions, yeah, and we judge those answers. Okay. As if they're good enough or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so first question, favourite player of all time that isn't Steve Ball? That's a fairly easy one for me because coming from Liverpool, I always have an eye on the Scouse players. And okay. uh, there's been some great Liverpoolians playing for Wolves down the years, like Connor Cody, now the captain. Yeah. Back in the day, George Berry, John McCall, before my time, Andy Much, Bully's partner. Yeah. But number one has to be Paul Cook. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think he was the most gifted Rough. player we've had in terms of finding a pass. He was just sublime to watch. Bit sometimes a bit um, looked a bit lethargic at times, a bit sort of lackadaisical, and maybe wound the fans up with that. But um, I just thought he was fantastic. So cookie for me. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I yeah. You Great answer. Yeah. Is that before your time, Dave? Slightly, I think slightly actually. <laughs> what year was Cook? Yeah, Cook, Cookie was sort of ninety to ninety three, eighty nine. Yeah, to I was too little at that point. Yeah, I'm giving my age away a bit yeah. there, then, aren't I? Um, sources: so tomato, mayo, fridge or cupboard. Where did they go in the Phillips household? That's a good one. Uh, my wife sticks them in the fridge, and I don't like that. Yes, that's the, that's <laughs> the correct answer. Isn't it? Uh, so no. I sometimes try and rustle them back into a cupboard, <laughs> but I, it, she's just too organised and. I, and the only thing that's managed to stay in a cupboard is Marmite. The rest has all found its way into the fridge. And Marmite's not really a sauce, is it? No. Um, yeah, they, they all go in the cupboard. Are you looking for a preferred sauce as well? No, he's, no. One, he's one of the weird ones. He's, what, the fridge? Oh, yeah. I, I accept tomato in the cupboard. I'll allow that, but no, it's got to be the fridge. I just find it a bit too cool. <laughs> you like it at a certain temperature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although chocolate in the fridge, brilliant. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Although only in summer months. 
for me. Chocolate yeah. only in summer months. Yeah, because you, you, but then you, when the winter comes by, you're a bit, you're sort of disconcerted by how soft <laughs> it feels. So I think all year round you've got to keep it in the. It's it, that's going money with the permanent central heating on. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, right. Crisps in the fridge. You've got to try that as oh. well. No, got to try that. In the fridge. Try it. Yes. Yeah. Just try it. That play, that play habit with the monster munch. It's, <laughs> a, it's opening a packet of crisps and not finishing them. That's the. When does this ever happen? Who does that? Who, if you've got crisps in the fridge, right? You put you put in a, a closed bag of crisps in the fridge. I'm, I'm talking about singular packets, not a whole like share bag. You know what I mean? You know, like a Doritos, not a Doritos. I mean, like a singular packets. Yeah, but if you open them, you're gonna eat them all, aren't you? What all singular packets? It, what, a six in one sitting. So you put you put in closed packets of crisps in the fridge. Yeah, you buy like oh, we're going too much onto this. <laughs> you buy like a multi pack of crisps when you've got six individual packets yeah. of crisps. But they're not open. You put in no. them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. But what? Why would you have cold crisps? This is. <sighs> you've got to try it. Look, try it first and then come back to me. Too anyway, much. too much crisp talk. Uh, favorite film of all time. Final question on that. That's a tough one. I mean, there's. It's tough to call one. If I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Midnight Run. With um, mm-hmm. Robert De Niro in it. Okay, okay. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, I, I, I like that a lot in my youth. Uh, I like Robert De Niro. Most yeah. things with Robert De Niro are decent. Although he has had some shockers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's go Midnight Run. You see him on Sunday morning TV the other week. I'm all over that. <laughs> I, I hate Trump just as much as he does. So I'm all over that. I don't think I've seen Midnight Run. If Stu's saying it's a good film, then I'll accept it. It's, it's one of them. That you probably wouldn't. It's not... You say, oh, you have to see it. It's not a classic. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a classic. It's just a nice little under-the-radar yeah. film that uh, sort of, yeah, it's good. It touches the spot when you're at home. You don't have to see it at the cinema or anything like that. It's just a nice little film. It's I like, like it. Like, you can compare it to The Rock or something like that, where you'd ro- you watch The Rock and you, th- you think most people under under 30 would never watch The Rock. Mm. But it's a very good film when you watch it. It is a good film. If you're looking yeah. for something with gravitas, I'd probably go One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. If you're looking That's for a, a sort of a big hitter film, but if you, I'd say Midnight Run. What's the shocker then? What's the De Niro shocker? Oh, that, he's had some nonsense, hasn't he? Some rom-coms or... Oh, I'd say Meet the Fuckers. Yeah, all stuff. that sort of... Yeah. 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 Seeing the Intern or something like that, I think, not that long ago. He went through a period of not saying no, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, it, it's, it slightly sullied his work, but, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a legend. Good. All acceptable answers, gentlemen, I think. I'd the, say the so. other one. Best hair at Wolves. Yeah, it's like a bonus question. Best hair at Wolves of all time. Who's ever had the best hair? The best haircut? Yeah. Uh, bully? Classic. Mm, is it? I don't know. I yeah. mean, I think there's a direct correlation between the shorter the hair, the better the player. <laughs> because the okay. ones with the long hair, I mean, without naming names, players like Paul Stancliffe were never the best for us. And... Uh, that's probably before your time. Yeah, as well. it is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I just think there's a lot of long-haired rubbish John down DeWolf. the years at Wolves. The Wolves, the exception that proves the rule. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if yeah. I got translated to Sol Bakken and management, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Champions yeah, yeah. League. I'm, I'm just not. I'm just not sure we've had a great selection of long-haired stars. I don't know. Siggy had his. his <laughs> moments, didn't he? Who's that? Siggy. Beyond Siggy awesome. Oh, again? Yeah, I just couldn't stand him. <laughs> I thought he was a terrible player. <laughs> Oh, Johnny's off my books right away. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Sigurdarsson fan? Oh, loved him. You're kidding me? <laughs> loved him. 
Oh, he was like a competition winner that had been put on the pitch. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, right, get off. Get <laughs> off. <laughs> no, no, no. Right, uh, just before we get on to the, the meat of the show, a couple of things. We're going for the FSF Awards uh, this year. So if you're listening to the show and you like what we do, which you must do if you got to this point and you're listening, uh, then vote for us at uh, the Club Podcast of the Year category. All you have to do is go to fsf.org.uk or search for FSF Awards 2019 and there'll be a... a voting form there but it's a club podcast of the year category there's one called podcast of the year but that's just for general any football podcast it's a club podcast of the year one vote for us if you want to and that'll be really nice cheers for that um, and finally Andy mentioned it on the show last week Roy is doing the Birmingham Half Marathon this week now he's raising money for a young lad called Tommy Brown who's five months old well who at five months old sorry was diagnosed with meningitis septicemia and was given a 5% chance of surviving uh, Tommy is a quadruple ample amputee and has beaten all the odds, however, he still needs ongoing support for things such as physio. Um, Tommy is a West Brom fan, and so much so that Roy is going to be doing the half marathon in a full West Brom kit. Wow. So well done to Roy. He's already raised £700, so I'm hoping, let's see if we can get him over to that Magic 1000. So if you can spare a few pennies, uh, just go to Roy's Twitter, which is just at RoyHoops83, R-Y-Hoops83, and there's a Just Giving page there to details to donate. And I want to see those pictures. Absolutely, uh, right in that book, looking as happy as I'm sure he's going to be. <laughs> there was a picture in the WhatsApp group today of him picking up the kit, and he just was not happy. He li- the disdain <laughs> in his face—it's like the, the last week of Wolves has just never happened for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, gentlemen, we're going to turn our attention to what a week in the history of Wolverhampton Wanderers, and we're going to go to Europe firstly, uh, and a one-nil win away in Turkey against Besiktas. It was the first time Besiktas have lost at home to English side since 2002 when it was renamed the Europa League I mean the end point of this is the bolly goal I want to talk about how does a central defender have so much control like that <laughs> under pressure it was just a, an amazing touch <coughs> uh, and then like a really clinical stone cold finish to it you know when it, after we had the, the disallowed goal as well uh, for what was offside I believe it was uh, I just thought when he received the ball, I thought, oh, it's going to be skied. It's going to be skied. And it was as cool, you know, as cool as a cucumber to slot it in. It was just, just scenes, absolute scenes. And everyone was, for once, thinking, oh, we, I wish we had VAR for that one. <laughs> I thought, it, I, when I rewatched it, I thought it was offside. I didn't think Und- anything of it. Until right at the post match when they showed yeah. the proper, oh, look, it was onside. But I didn't. We won. I didn't really care. No, that's. What I I thought exactly the same thing. It was only until the the, the freeze framed at that exact point where you seen that he was a, a foot on side. Um, but again, no one seemed that bothered. No one seemed there was no mass protest. So you thought, well, just let it go. But yeah, I thought apart from the goal, I thought Bolly was absolutely superb. Mm. To be fair, well, what we said last week, Bolly playing on the right hand side, being a kind of a make weight for everyone else. He yeah. really wasn't a make weight at all. He was man of the match by a long, long way. But it was that. That Neves free, that Neves kick as well. Johnny, his first contribution of the season. I'm going to have to come clean. I was, uh, it, it, I was nowhere near the Besiktas match. I was on a golf oh, course. Dairy. I was on a golf course in Scotland oh, when we, uh, when it kicked off. But you've seen. And the I was goal. in the clubhouse <laughs> when it finished, and there were supposed to be no phones, and there were all these sort of stuffy golf types in suited and booted. And this Partick Thistle fan showed me his phone with the score on it. And that was the only way I found out that we'd won the game. So I'm going to have to dip out the Besiktas. <laughs> I have seen the goal. I have seen the goal. It was a sublime goal. But you could talk about the goal. The Nevers. Nevers. Bit. Nevers was phenomenal with that pass. He's been he's been close to picking them out yeah. uh, for a while. And I ne- I'm one of these who never writes Nevers off. I know he's had a real quiet spell. He's had a quiet 
time in the Premier League so far as as a rule. I'd never ever write him off. I'd never really substitute him to be honest. I like him on the pitch all the way through because I think he, he can pick a pass and, and you know he's done it on more than one occasion. Even when he's having a quiet game, I'm pre- you know I'm quite prepared for him to stay on the pitch. Mm. Uh, and it was an unbelievable pass. Uh, and and but you know um, beaten only by the control and the finish. You, you know incredible. No. Stu, you've never not really been a Neves fan since the start of the season, have since you? Since the start of the Premier League, altogether, like Johnny said, I just thought he's been massively disappointing. Apart from he had three good games last season, maybe. But fair play. you got to hold your hands up. That pass was Neves in the Championship, or back to his best. Mm. And when he does things like that, it's even more frustrating when you think, you've got that in your locker, why are you not doing it more? And you, you're putting it out for, you're trying cross-field passes that come nowhere near anyone. And yeah, everyone else has got the movement and everyone for his balls, but it's just been really very disappointing for me. And I, I didn't see it coming when it, when it dropped to him. I thought he's going to blast this over, <laughs> and then to put that ball in it, it was as I said in the and uh, the picture later on. I did a knee slide across my laminate flooring on my own. <laughs> <laughs> he heard your criticism. I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to get him. I'm going to show him. I mean, for me, for me with Neves, I mean, now if you take this clip out of context, it's going to sound ridiculous when I say this however go. however so you know bear with me here. but Neves will do something amazing that will keep him in the fans and uh, the fans good books for a game or two or three at a time he'll do something out of this world an amazing goal an amazing free kick an amazing pass and it just reminds me of how I used to feel about Dave Edwards I know <laughs> okay. like, don't take this out of context <laughs> But like David would, would 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 have a few games where you know he wouldn't contribute as much as you'd hope, and then he'd do just something outrageous, and he'd provide a great assist or he'd get a goal, like a lead, you know, the Leeds game for example. And then Nevers for me, he's just not consistent enough. Like when he does do something amazing, it's out of this world, but it's just not consistent enough for me. I mean, I see the point in that mm. to a degree, um, but I do think. I do think we've got to re- realise what our place in the world. I mean, it's Wolves, isn't it? I think <laughs> we're not Manchester City where we can take Dave, David Silver out the team and, and, and stick, I don't know, De Bruyne, Bernardo yeah. Silva, all the rest of it. We are Wolves and I think Neves, a player of his quality, we've got to, we've got to indulge. Mm. I mean, Neves is a poor man's David was so, isn't he? That's what we're also saying. <laughs> I mean, that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> well, on current form, he's a poor man's Jack Price. Oh. Is it, was he just got the MVP at Colorado as well this season? I just saw that on Twitter today. He's, he should be having it the whole league. Forget Zatan and friends. He's been he's had an unreal time in the MLS <laughs> this season, hasn't he? And you think you look at you, you look at the quality. Oh yeah, we, he was when we when we met him was it three four years ago now when we met him and he was I couldn't believe how down to earth he was. He was just he loved it. Then there yeah. was we had a time and he he would have gladly stayed there for three hours talking about rubbish with us. Yeah, no, he was, he's fantastic, he's top lad. And I, and the best thing about him, he's one of the first to be binned by Nuno and he wishes the club nothing but success. Yeah. He's an incredible fella. Uh, first away winning Europe, gents. It's great. Loving it's fantastic. It. I mean, you know, that was the game, I think, especially after the recent results prior, prior to Watford, this is, that you thought, oh, this is, the, this is the one away game out of the three that we didn't need now out of all of the three potential games that we were going to play. Um, and then to win there it was just a statement of intent really of kind of the week that we were having and if only we knew about the City result as well I mean what that what, what acker would that have been yeah you would have happily chalked off the City game before then and thought oh yeah we? absolutely I'd have gone for the Besiktas match yeah. first as the one that you need to win but you know what they did they only <laughs> went to City and bloody won didn't they well, we said, I think me and Andy said it last week about the, 
the Besiktas. I said, if we win there, I couldn't care less about Man City. As long as we don't go there and humiliate ourselves, then I've got no real problem with that because Besiktas is more important. But then to turn up at the Etihad and school them and head to play football. <laughs> well, on Sunday, Wolves won, I can't believe I'm saying this, 2-0 away at Manchester City. Try away with both goals. Um, would you have taken a 2-0 defeat before the start of the game? <laughs> I would personally. Yeah. I just think... I was, um, I, I was at Liverpool the day before, actually, and in the tunnel afterwards, Milner and Klopp referred to the fact that they were just shattered and on their knees from about the 60th minute onwards mm. against Leicester because of what had happened and in a home game against Salzburg. Now, a home game for a team of Liverpool's resources yep. against Salzburg. Leicester had had the clear run at it yep. you know, all week, and it does make a difference. You'd be surprised. The difference is just ridiculous, and even a day makes a difference. You, you hear managers griping when a match is yep. moved for television or brought forward a day is huge in, in, in you know at the elite level of the Premier League I thought I had five six down I genuinely thought they could give us a proper proper tonking I couldn't believe it when that result came in was that a mental thing as well losing a three goal lead for them what and, Liverpool to yeah. feel possibly it was just it's just dead legs um, or heavy legs rather at that t- at that t- uh, that stage I mean they've done all their pre-season running and they've done everything so they're not doing a vast amount of actual training at the moment but it's just recovery times mm. and a lack of and then a lack of work with the team uh, you, you know you miss there's no training sessions there's no uh, sessions because it's, you go straight into a recovery the following day and and time time is against you and it gets to you know the kickoff time the next day, and you just in the, in the case of Liverpool, they're probably four days behind against Man uh, against Leicester. But in the case of Wolves, they're a minimum, I'd say, a day and a bit behind if you're taking the yeah. travel. And then it was squeezed into a Sunday from a Thursday. There was no way Wolves should have come out with anything in that game. And and then and then the, the team they didn't have the you know the resources that City have got in terms of team selection. Well, there's a really good piece. Post Besiktas from Tim Spears on the athletic. Yeah, League. I read talks that. It's a smashing piece. Talks really, really about good the piece recovery. Though. Yeah, and you just gobsmacked at yeah. what they do in a short space of time. It is incredible the stuff that goes into it, uh, and it's not as well. I mean, it was, it was a tremendous piece that, and he got some fantastic access. And it's not just the recovery they do; it's the individually tailored recovery. So there are players who sweat more than other players, or sweat a certain amount of salt more. Everything is individually tailored. The you know the detail is phenomenal, and uh, and you know since Antonio Diaz and Jalapa have come in with uh, with the with the coaching team, you, you can see the results. So, you know, we rarely get injuries, and we manage to turn players around very quickly. And you said that in the was it the China documentary where that sweat thing came out of. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and they all they all have they all have these different levels of nutrition drinks straight after a normal training session it's just it's just incredible detail uh, and, and various amounts of food that they're allowed that different types of food to suit different players recovery uh, you know th- there's nothing is no stone is unturned it's, it's fantastic and I guess you know uh, as Tim alluded to you, you, the proof was then in the pudding the following day uh, well the following two days when uh, when the match happened uh, it was the first time that Man City have lost at home um, to nil without scoring um, in Pep's reign which is incredible that is incredible really uh, Nuno now, Nuno's now got a t- 75% win rate against Pep so including the Asia <laughs> I don't yeah, know who trophy. includes that I think it is an all competition it's just insane though to be fair that is, as a statistic in itself um, I don't think you could um, even fathom that that was possible you know with a manager of his calibre um, in Pep I mean before the game me, like many fans, were just hoping not to, you know, to be turned over. Mm. And 
it wouldn't have undone the good things from the week previously, but it would have then set us up then for the following fixtures. I know we'd have an international yeah. break, but it just puts that little dampener on then. I think we uh, were building a bit of momentum exactly. just before then, so you wouldn't want to squash it straight away. Exactly, and um, you know, going into the international break, which I think everybody was just hoping that we got to, you know, without an embarrassing result uh, at City. I mean. The game itself was 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 a completely different story. But going into it, you know, as Johnny alluded to, I don't think we had a right before the game to get any kind of result from it. But you know, the latter, you know, it completely a completely different result to what happened. He went out with a really strong team. He got Vinagre and Troy on the wing backs, and I'm going to talk about Troy though. <laughs> Two goals from a man who hadn't scored since West Ham last September. I same think. goal as well. Yeah, <laughs> all three times. Both carbon copy goals. It was just classic. It was the counter-attack classic that we've seen from Wolves previously actually come to fruition this time. It was... I think Troyore, I think it's been on reports all over the place how he was. He somehow managed to get man of the match for a defender and a striker in the same game. <laughs> and he just... Sterling was nowhere. And I think the actual level of fitness from everyone and the level of concentration, what we were saying about the Liverpool thing, the concentration with every single person on the pitch. I mean, even Bennett coming in off the cold, from the cold, after two two games out to replace Sace, immense. It was just unbelievable that we we're, we're standing there, we're looking around, and thinking, mm, "Bring it on, then let's let's just get it over and done with." And then from kickoff, you think, "Hang on a minute, this is different here. There's something about they, they've got a purpose here." And it was just it was it was wonderful. It was, it was lost for words. I mean, <laughs> me being lost for words. It was. You think you look at him and you look at the shape and. They were stumped. They had no ideas. And you think, yeah, we've got, we're got playing, oh, yeah, it's 10 men behind the ball. But it wasn't, wasn't though. I mean, I think Shearer broke it down on match of the day too later on where everyone was, when Bolly pushed forward, Matinho dropped back into his place. And it was just a brilliant, brilliant team performance from everyone. It was honestly on match of the day too, actually, that the narrative from Shearer was more... Wolves are fantastic here mm. then oh it's Man City they've slipped up what's gone with Man City what have they done wrong it was more no Wolves have actually played this perfectly and they deserve to win the from game from a non-journalist yeah <laughs> I think generally Wolves have had a good uh, reception from pundits uh, around the country they've been since they got into the Premier League the, the, the style of football they've played has been really uh, it's been really welcomed by a lot of people and you know they, they, they were doing something a bit different when they came into the Premier League and uh, and and you know Sunday was perhaps the the sort of the, the pick of the game so mm. far in terms of the way they set themselves up. I mean, I think Nuno has form on this slightly. I think there was a game when he was Valencia manager um, when he went to Real Madrid, or maybe Real Madrid came to Valencia. I can't remember which. And uh, Valencia, uh, sorry, Madrid under Ancelotti. I think they had mm. they had a, you know a, a vast array of attacking options, and and he he went with. He pushed his wing backs on incredibly. I mean, they weren't as attacking as Triori actually, but he really, really, really pushed them on and, and surprised Madrid, who were on the back of this, I think, this ludicrous winning run or ludicrous unbeaten run, and he got a result against them. Um, so I do think he has form of taking taking a game to a really top, top uh, level opposition. I mean, it's fraught with danger, I guess, if you don't get off on the front foot. But once, once you do pin a team back, then I think the, sort of the impetus changes slightly and all yeah. of a sudden if, if if City didn't know what to do I mean you, you were there it must have been just incredible to it was constant singing again I mean like the, mm. on that, there was a couple of lads on the other team who had been to Turkey and they hadn't, they'd barely slept and then there was right back at it again Sunday morning and there was in there was on it from seven in the morning before he even got on the couch and it was everyone was treating it like a day out in a, an event 
but then it was after kickoff. You think, hang on a minute, and it was it was just constant. It was. I'm trying to think of it. You, you compare that atmosphere to the atmosphere in the in the semi final at Wembley and how bad that was. Before even before things all went wrong and with the the three tier situation, whatever three tier situation at Man City, three thousand Wolves fans to sing their heart out for ninety minutes, best part of two hours. It was. You look at the, the video of me on the Express Star and little plug there. Yeah, little plug. Well done, Nathan, for sorting that out. Um, I couldn't get my words out quick enough. It was just adrenaline, adrenaline, and like I said earlier, I went to bed at half eight. I was that tired. <laughs> Matt, was that the game that Troy Rose finally announced himself? Do you think? Because there's been a lot of talk about, oh, yeah, he's got the speed, he's got the muscle, but he hasn't got the end product. And is yeah. he a wing back? Is he a striker? What is he? he but I he's mean, just scored two goals against the champions. At he, home. he has, and I mean, you'd be you'd be remiss to say that there were there were there weren't easy chances by any stretch of the imagination, but you know they were coolly taken, um, and he was announced onto the scene, you know. Inform coming on FIFA as, as that's my like bag, you know. You know he's definitely you know looking at you know everybody knows about Troy, but they will be listening and they'll be paying attention to him after this game. I mean, I don't think. And the point I wanted to make, I, I don't think it'd be taken away how important Jimenez was in the build up yeah. to, um, yeah. especially the first goal. Yeah, you know, to take the man from you know to get the ball from you know deep in the, the very very half, deep yeah. from the you know in the halfway line to take it with him. And, you know, Jimenez is under pressure at the minute to get a goal. You know, mm. he, you, you would have forgiven him for trying to take the chance on himself. But he's, he's spotted his man. He's made the pass. He's give Troyora the opportunity to get the goal, you know. And at 1-0, to, to what Johnny said, City have to come at us. And that's playing exactly into our hands. I mean, when I saw the lineup, I thought this is going to be a massacre. <laughs> with, with, like, the fallback situation as it was, you know, having Troyora on there. And I'm happy to eat my words. I thought this is going to be a massacre. Mm-hmm. But we got the goal. And then they have to come on us, and it was more likely, I think, that we were going to score a second than concede. To was be it, honest, was it Otamendi? He, he got the ball round on the first one. The, Jimenez, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. Otamendi putting his arms effectively, didn't he? Because <laughs> you kind of thought when you looked at the, the only weakness of Man City you could have thought of going to that game was the centre back, just because of the issue they've got with Laporte being out. And yeah, if you can target, and that's what he did, just yeah. targeted the middle. Yeah, I was uh, really pleased for Jimenez because. Yeah. Um, you know his goal scoring hasn't got up and running particularly this season, but the, the way he made that first goal was just that was that was it, the pure brilliance mm. he's got in his locker. He looked fitter than he has done all season as well somehow. And when I, we was all saying it before, we were saying it the last few weeks where he needs a rest, and now he's got two weeks off. And I said, just we said, I think a few of us last week, we said, give him Man City off. Just, just give Catroni a chance and he had a chance and look what happens oh, yeah I was going to ask you about <laughs> Catroni because he has that miss you can see what he's trying to do yeah, uh, we have this theory on the podcast called the sliding door theory where if you don't score that goal is at the moment that it, it goes away for you and I know he's had that tapping against Chelsea yeah I, I mean it, it, was a, it was a terrible terrible yeah. uh, slice wasn't it I, I mean yeah, it was. It, did, it didn't look good. He's got a, his, his scoring record's terrible anyway, isn't it? What has he scored? It One was in last 33 season. or something yeah. now? Um, his, his breakout season, he, he was pretty good. Right. And then he just... I mean, they were in chaos while the last season at Milan anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it's, last season's not great. And I think I, in the in the WhatsApp group, I kind of jokingly called him Keone. And <laughs> said he's as, he's as... Andy Keo ran around a lot. Missed a lot of chances, but he didn't get the fanfare that Catroni's got. Yeah, and for every game that goes by, it's looking well. He needs something soon, possibly. I mean, was he brought in to be the main man this season? Though I'm not sure he was. I think he was a backup anyway. Yeah, he, so I think I'd be prepared to give him time. Um, perhaps on the same grounds that Triori has earned a bit of time. Um, I think 
and he's young. He's got age on his side. Mm. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he has, you know, Katrani has a shambolic season and doesn't really do anything. But then maybe, maybe it doesn't really matter uh, mm. at this stage. I think he's, I think he's young enough. But um, I wouldn't judge him just completely. But he was, he was bad, wasn't it? It was a bad. Move. <laughs> it was a bad. Yeah. Start. I think, he, I think he proves at the minute that still with the fans, that passion still has so much influence on the fans because one tapping aside from Chelsea. He's loved by, you know, for doing absolutely nothing. Um, but, yeah. you know, people seem to love him for his like, tenacity and his efforts so far. But that needs to be translated into more for it to be, you know, a successful season for him. I think Thursday night, he, that one where he created that chance for himself and he put it just wide, I thought that was absolutely superb. And he was un- unlucky there and he did cause them problems. And he's, he's a handful. The important thing of that sentence, though, is just wide. Like, it's just, yeah. we need, you know what I mean? Like, the chance against City um, where he's. Where he could have took on his left, you know, elects to take it on his right and just completely slices it. He's just it's it's Catroni all over at the minute. But you know, then again, it's like him. You know, would it just take one goal, just one yeah. in off the shin, in off his chest, just one really lucky goal to start a. Uh, to start momentum and it, you know start getting them in. It's what we talked about last was it two seasons ago with Bonatini when he scores that goal against Borough. It's the, you know it's if he doesn't shoot if he doesn't score that goal is he going to get all those goals for the next six months? Probably not, in my view. Well, <laughs> he needed one in December after yeah. losing <laughs> yeah. as well to carry on. Um, there was some other great performances, gents. Um, I don't know who to li- list off really, but I want to talk about Patricio again because incredible saves and he seems to be a different beast this season. He's been like that since March. And it, it, something clicked around about March somewhere. He, he's the kicking issue, which has never been an issue anyway. That seemed to go away completely. Um, balls weren't going out for throw-ins, and he just seems he seems solid. It, like what happened with um, De Gea when he first came to England, and he he looked a bit weak, and he don't look like he's bulked up, and he's got a scar, and he looks all hard now. But he's he looks. I don't, he look he looks stocky, but he's not stocky. If you get what I mean, he's got a presence about him now where he, he didn't at the start of last season. You could have forgiven some shots to go past him last season, but now he just looks a bit unstoppable. Yeah, he's. I was somewhat, I, there was what I think was it Retro Wolves on, on Twitter said he was the best Wolves goalkeeper in modern times. The way he's playing at the minute, you, you with Matt Murray's kicking, which was a problem, <laughs> and he never got to fulfil his potential. You can't argue against it because he's been absolutely brilliant. I think we've got a way to go a bit still to call him the greatest keeper of all time. <laughs> he's now a Stefan Postman, is he? <laughs> Um, other players at all Neves I thought did well again yeah yeah. Bennett did well Bolly did well I ne- Neves had a big role in the was it the I want to say the, there was the second goal I think second yeah it uh, was he, he can break he can be deceptive Neves he mm. can, he's got uh, the ability to break up play um, when you don't quite notice it or you least suspect it um and I think he sh- he, sh- he shows he can show two sides to his game I like Leicester last season when he was instrumental in at least two of them goals for Jota yeah against Leicester at home and he was, he was brilliant that day and West Ham away when we got our first win yeah. he, he was phenomenal in that game I thought models his game on Dave Edwards wasn't he <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's um, City had not conceded a single Premier League goal from a fast break in their previous 59 games I love these are. random stats fast, yeah. fast break, break. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean, who's 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 coming up with that? Who, what's what was the um, the xG Stu on that game? This is the one I hate. One point seven three to one point two four, I think. Okay, it, I, it, I don't get it. It, it, it was round about that. I know they were slightly ahead of us. Is that <laughs> xG? Just like, again, <laughs> it doesn't work. We won. <laughs> it does work. It, it shows. 
it shows the scientific analysis of a game that doesn't really matter because no one cares. <laughs> uh, Johnny, you mentioned it before, but is this perhaps the most one of the most defining results for Nuno in general? Because he's just beaten a top two team in their backyard. He had loads of results last season against top six, but that top two couldn't ever really properly crack. Yeah, and you just think this is probably a landmark moment for him. Yeah, I think it's the best Wolves result um, in Nuno's time I mean it's, it's, it's fascinating isn't it because um, we've had so many unbelievable days just absolutely unbelievable I mean for you know someone who's watched the entire 90s and then the uh, you know when that was when I first got my season ticket in the 90s and I'm so so bloody awful you know we had we had one two promotion challenges and, and only one of them was really really exciting um and then you go into the 2000s and again we get up for a bit but how many memorable games were there and and then you look at what he's done in this but you know in the championship alone there were that many yeah. memorable games last year it just I, I remember at West Ham just thinking this is just the best day ever and then I was working at the Spurs game at <laughs> Wembley and I thought no this is the best day ever and then it just kept on coming and then kept on coming and now this season I mean there's, there's been so many already um, but yeah I think City just given given the calibre of opposition the resources yeah. available the circumstances of Wolves arriving at, uh, at the Etihad in, in the state they arrived in it ha- it ha- by by a, by a mile, it has to be the best and most standout result, and definitely a landmark result. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. And was it the first time we've beat the current champions away since the seventies? Something. Oh, like I haven't that? got that stuff. I'm sure it exists. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure I read something like that. <laughs> the current champions. I, I want to say we beat Liverpool in eighty three, eighty four. And I'm sure they his, were the champions. And Wolves, Wolves were a shambles that season. We went we went down by a mile and we won 1-0 in Liverpool's backyard when they won the league the league cup and the European cup they did the treble that season but we lost they, at home to Wolves were they current champions I think they were I think they won in 80, I think they won in 83 <laughs> I'm not, not going to do it before my dive still yeah yeah I don't know I, don't <laughs> I was know. born in 83 get, get, never mind you, never mind your fast breaks and your expected <laughs> goals just get you find out who won the league in 83 let me get my break let me get the Google out um, look, look that up look at who won the, I'm she's sure. going to look it up while we just sum up Man City <laughs> yeah. but all in all I mean Matt just to finish things off I mean what a result what it's, a day what just a fantastic result, result and you know we look at it now, though, in, in hindsight, and think to ourselves, "What an amazing result!" And that we had no um, that we had no right to that result. But then, when you look at the game itself, it was one hundred percent completely deserved. Yeah. You know, we created chance after chance after chance, and then you know it was, and it's a bit of a cliche for Wolves, but it was a classic counter attack, and you know, for, for for the goals and something that you know we are getting plaudits for now. You know. I'm glad that like some of the cliches of this season around, you know, can they back can Wolves balance Europe and balance the league, are now being silenced, and the questions are starting being asked about, well, can we be the best of the rest, and you know, can we, you know, march up the table again, and you know, on the balance of play, you know, we hundred percent deserve that result. There's only so many times I can hear Burnley Europa League. I know, Wolves in I know. The same sentence. I know. They said, exactly. it, they said it again on Thursday night. And just, oh. It is yeah. it, it is a tired and lazy cliche for me because if you think of one thing that you know people around the country that aren't Wolves fans can sympathise with, it would be that because you've got you know Birmingham's and your Swansea's and your Burnleys that have had that. I think I think we're on stat attack, aren't we? What have yeah. we got? Liverpool won three years in a row, and Johnny was right with the stat. Yeah, so that, that's well Johnny. Look at that. That's that was wrong. <laughs> <Straight up. laughs> Don't believe Twitter. 
Well done, Johnny. Thanks well very done. Much. <laughs> it, it, a bit of it's my job, but there you go. This doesn't bode well for the quiz for me, by the <laughs> way. This like Right, okay, we're gonna have a break now. Uh, after the break we're gonna talk about Johnny's book. We've got the quiz and we've got Twitter Corner after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Now, the reason why Johnny's here, as we mentioned, because he's got a book to plug, and we're going to talk about said book. It's called Bitten by Wolves. Johnny. Bitten by Wolves, stories from the soul of Molyneux. Um, well, you gave us a, a copy of the book, so I think yeah. you know which we're going through that. And the impression I got when reading it, it, it seems to me, it's like it, you'd probably sum it up better, but it's almost like a collection of stories about wolves from different people's point of views throughout the years. Yeah. Is that right? That is right. That's that's pretty much right. I've had it, I've had it for a long time in my head to do something, because ever since I've been coming to Wolves, um, I've sort of met people and... Uh, who've got great stories to tell and, and, and you can, you know the list is endless to, but you've got to sort of trim it down one on one level and also uh, you know I my first uh, my first Wolves game was in the 80s uh, I mentioned earlier that I first got my season ticket in the 90s and there was a lot of dross and a, a lot of hard work down the years but everyone sort of stuck by it and there were a lot of good players and players that didn't quite fulfil themselves and some did and a lot of good people working for the club over that time and it, it always had a real soul to it a real it was for me. It's always been a great club, even when it's been rubbish. It's been a great club, uh, and now we're reaching this level that we've never known before. I'd say existential change, to be brutally honest. It, it's changing that much. So I thought, why not write the book over the course of last season? It's not about last season. I just used that the template to go and meet people, uh, and then I just got hold of people I thought had a story to tell over the last. Uh, I, I finished it last summer. Um, and and try to make it a sort of a, a like a potted history, but a bit of a social history as well. Mm. And what makes the club special? Because I I know we're biased, but it is special. It's it's incredibly unique. No no clubs had the spectrum of failure and success yeah. that we've had. Uh, clubs have been successful. Clubs have had failings, but they haven't had the the the, the two polar yeah. opposites. The Wolves five years had, as well. Yeah, quite yeah, and come through it the way Wolves have come through it. So I just thought it was a nice time to get a book out and do something, uh, and I hope to have captured a bit about what it means to be to be Wolves. I want to talk about some of the bits that we found in there. Obviously, we don't give too much away because no, we want no, people to go handy. get the yeah, book yeah. and read but the you know, stories. You know, you can, you can, yeah. Um, I was looking. There was one chapter on on with Sam Ricketts talking about the League One campaign, and just tell people the story about how Sam Ricketts finds out. He's captain. I mean, th- this is great because I heard um, I heard on the old Gold Club the other day Roger Johnson doing his interview yeah. and how he was um, he was thrust the captaincy and it upset the apple cart a bit and he he sort of made out that he was um, that you know it was a difficult situation for him but it was no more difficult than Sam Ricketts mm. uh, and, and possibly a, a, a bit easier as well because he was coming in as a big signing uh, and he had them backing in the manager Sam Ricketts came in as a player who had uh, was tailing off in his career no big name no anything like this and he literally walked out for training think he'd be introduced by Kenny Jackett to the to his teammates and Jackett got him into a huddle said we're about to start training and by the way lads this is the new captain and he absolutely chucked him under a bus and uh, poor Sam had to then try and build relationships on the back of that but Sam being Sam is just a phenomenal character and for me one you know has to go down as one of the greatest captains this club has had given the circumstances and given Absolutely. given mm. what he did uh and he got on with it and he led incredibly by example and you know uh 
he, he, he was phenomenal. I, but I just thought, what a way to chuck him in at, at a club that was absolutely on its yeah. knees anyway. In the you first imagine, place. imagine the awkward faces <laughs> in oh, that huddle. Just, imagine how he felt at that I time. I think the only fella he knew at the club was Dave Edwards from the Wales setup. Um, and it was amazing the way he just got on with it. But he, he's got a very. Um, He's incredibly, uh, he's got a great work ethic, Sam, and he's got a great, uh, he's, he's, he's a man of proper moral substance. And again, he's not a great talker and a shouter in a way that maybe characters like Carl Henry were, another great captain, and certainly Paul Butler, you know, a proper a proper talker. But he just, he leads by an example of a way of, I'm not going to say, do this, do that. I'm just going to do what I'm doing and hope you follow. Uh, and I found him inspirational. There was a chapter in there about the Vati rain as well. Yeah, Stu, you were just reaming off on the on the group last night, just saying this is a fascinating. Cause cause I've read three quarters of it in two days. <laughs> it's a, it, to be fair, it's an absolutely brilliant book, regardless of you being here or not. It's I and mean, there was stuff in there that I knew, but I'd never read stuff like that in, yeah. in detail. It's I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Because you know, I, I was part of that. I don't know you guys. Well, I was part of that generation that you know never. I was probably too little uh, for, for that era. Yeah. And you kind of get a sense. You hear what people say about what happened. You think, oh right, okay, but we were all right in the end. When you read it in that chapter, you just think, geez, that's what I really mean, happened. Behind it the was. Scenes. It was incredible. It, the, I, the, the, the Batties always had this mythical status for me because it was when I first started going to the match, and I sort of I, I was taken along, but there was this huge cloud going on, and then. Luckily, we quickly came through it with with Steve Ball. Uh, but the Batties were they were mythical figures for lots of reasons. First, you couldn't get hold of them; you couldn't find them. No one knew where they were or what they were up to, and th- and they had that sense about them. Uh, and then the way that you know they, they let the club go was incredible. But some of the stuff that went on, um, you know, just 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 little little moments of. Um, there was one moment where I spoke to Dave Harrison, who was the Express and Star reporter at the time, uh, and covered them brilliantly. And, you, you know, I think he said uh, he, he loves Wolves. He's, he's Wolves through and through, a proper black country boy. And he says on one level it was heartbreaking because it was happening to his club. But on another level, it was the most, you know, incredible time of his like career. Goals yeah, either, he just yeah. felt alive. And he said that at one stage the Batties turned up. There were all sorts of cash flow problems going on here, there and everywhere. And they turned up with a sack of cash from somewhere to pay the wages. And Dave reported this for the Express and Star. And the next day, he had the police, Wolverhampton police, on the phone to him saying, don't be saying stories like that. We don't want every hoodlum in the town turning up (laughs) for next time the Batties turn up with a carrier bag full of stuff. And it was things like that. It was just anarchic and chaotic. uh, And there was so much going on. And for me... Uh, the Batty regime is every bit as important as when Billy Wright was lifting the league titles and all that. For Wolves to come through that period was great, but I think it defines us as a club. I think your failures define you as much as your yeah. success, yeah. and I think that was a huge part of it. I think you, you look at things that happened to Berry and Bolton in this summer, and when you got people in Arab dressing porter cabins fooling club legends oh I mean yeah it's like a dream team yeah it was I mean the way that the, the way they actually the way they got hold of the club in the first place was quite amusing um, you know without going into too much detail about that they definitely they definitely hoodwinked a few people uh, and I tried to get hold of uh, one of the batties I've, I've got I got I got a business address for one of the batties and I tried to get hold of him uh to speak to us about the, the book but I, I got no response I tried on more than one occasion and uh, 
for obvious reasons, he probably didn't want to tell his story. But I, I just thought I'd, I'd love I'd love to hear the Batty's version of events. Yeah. Um, but he's he's enjoying retirement in Dubai or whatever it is now, <laughs> and 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 lying low. But yeah, again, just wearing traditional Arab dress, having pictures of um, King Faisal on the walls to make it look like they're these oil rich billionaires. Where and they're just not. So <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, can you imagine today with you know twenty four hour rolling sports news, social media, Twitter, all this nonsense? Can you imagine if the stories got out, they wouldn't be believed. Yeah. And, and this is just the stuff we've been able to dig up. I, I'm sure there was so much more that. You know, I wasn't able to find that's out there about what went on in that era. There's a bit in that chapter where Dave talks about the way he has to report a story. I think it's about when they, if, if they find out whether they've made a deal to sell the club, that's and there's right. a covert way he has <laughs> to report on it. If you just tell people what that covert way was, yeah, I read that and I thought, what? Um, this is like a spy film. <laughs> so he's so he's essentially needs to know if a takeover's gone through by a deadline set by. Um, the administrators to find a buyer for the club and any takeover needs to be approved by the Football League and it gets to a point where it's I think it's five minutes to five on a on an August or a July evening uh, in the summer and he's he's ringing the Football League to find out how has this uh, takeover been approved and uh and he can't, he can't get through to them, first of all. It's all pre-mobile phones. And eventually he gets hold of the secretary at the Football League who says, yeah, it's been approved. So he then says, well, who is it? And he says, I'm not at liberty to tell you this. I can't tell you who it is. There's a number of takeover options. Yeah. I think Sir Jack Hayward was briefly on the scene uh, in, in this 1986 takeover. And then he said, all right, well, if it's so-and-so, if it's the Batties, just hang up, will you? And then that way you've not told me anything. You've not done anything. And... Uh, the line just goes dead and that's how he knew who it was but um, there's lots of ways that the journalists in those days had of finding out information um, it wasn't if you found a way to get a question answered where the person hasn't physically answered the question yeah. you've done well it was an old trick back then well for me <laughs> what I've what I really got from the book and I know it looks like I've had a, a rough paper round but I am only 30 <laughs> so, some, so some of the things that have happened in Wolves history yeah. I haven't you know, been alive for, so I've not got as much of an insight as, you know, some of our more senior fans. Yeah. So to read about some of the things that were going on in Wolves in the chapters that I've read, you know, it was a really great insight into, like, like the, the Batish chapter I know we've, you know, we've talked um, a lot about, but to read about the chaos that was going on at that time is something like, you hear stories, but you don't know just how bad it was. Yeah. Um, and I think that chapter especially really got it across for me, like the chaos and how close to a, you know, to a Bolton or Berry we could have been. Um, and so it was a really good way for a, a fan that doesn't know as much, probably as he should, you know, to get that information. I really, really enjoyed what I read. I'm glad because it's it is it is a really important era of the club. And I mean, you know, I, I sort of lived through a bit of it, but I, I was never that interested in eras before my yeah. time. And, and and so I was a bit wary of. I'm I'm, I'm a writing something here that people of your age, for example, might not be that interested in. But I just feel that it it, it wasn't widely reported. Certainly, the second administration. Uh, as Dave Harrison made out, uh, made the point when I spoke to him, the second administration, people had had enough. They'd had enough of Wolves. With the first one, it was front page news, mm. and it was a big deal that Wolves, they're in Europe two years ago, and now they're going to go bust. With the second one, it had gone on for so long, and the decline had been 
just it just sucked the lifeblood out of the place. It never made the front pages, and and as a result of that, people were getting away with stuff that they shouldn't have been getting away with, and the club was just on its knees. Uh, and it was just it was like the Wild West, uh, you know, back then. There's a, a chapter as well with Steve Froggart. You talked to him about Graham Taylor and when he joined yeah. Wolves as well. And it's, it's a common thing there, really, that fans look back at it and go, "Shouldn't have got rid of Graham Taylor." What? Yeah, again. <sighs> I've I've got I've got a different I've got a funny take on that. Um I think with hindsight sitting here now we probably shouldn't have got rid of Graham Taylor but as a season ticket holder at the time I was stood up singing we want Taylor ah, out. Okay. I'd had enough and it was I think some people you can forget how dreadfully bad it had got. But then again I was a lot younger and a lot more you know petulant in those days and a lot more impatient and and I was paying money to watch them and it was it was bad. It was really really bad that ninety five ninety six season, but the ninety four ninety five season was without doubt the most colourful, interesting season of the whole nineties, which was a dreadful decade. But it was it was a real great great season, and I, and I look back now, and then you see what Taylor's done since, and I think, do you know what? I, we probably did bin him too soon, but at the time it was grim. It was grim, and he, I, I was sad for him um, with hindsight. And then I got to know him later through work, and he's just such a decent man. He's got such a sense of sense of community, a sense of values. And I, 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 I am looking back, I am disappointed. But again, it's easy to forget. It was terrible football, and it came on the back of terrible football at England, and people just had enough. I mean, I, with it, what you just said. I said exactly the same thing last week before. No, and the book was even about. I said about Taylor at the time. I mean, I was. That was my first year as a season ticket holder. I was 11 in 95-96. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember being there and within a month it started getting nasty. Because I'd, I'd listened to the season before then. My first game was against Atalanta in the Intertoto Cup. No, Anglo-Italian Cup, sorry. What a first game. <laughs> what a first game. Lee Mills, 1-1. <laughs> and um, so I'd listened to the majority of the season on the radio and, and that's what got me into it because it was yeah. so exciting and then to finally get a ticket and to finally get a season ticket and to go and sit in the Billy Wright in W9 and for it then to turn so badly wrong and I, I don't remember how bad it was yeah it was awful it wasn't, wasn't it? when you, you watch bits and uh, glass and all football that you could see on telly at the time and you think this is not the football that I was expecting yeah <laughs> and it was it, it was shit at the time and it, it <laughs> I'm not surprised of what happened. I mean, I was only 11, so I think even then I thought this is not normal. This I mean, the board lost their nerve, definitely. Mm. I think I think a stronger board wouldn't have listened to the supporters. Uh, I mean, at the time I was glad they did listen. Um, but I think a stronger board may have may have held their nerve yeah. better. Um, and I think I think probably if I had my time again, I wouldn't have been so quick to want him out. But you know it was a dreadful period of football I think there was a 4-1 defeat at home to Stoke in there that was when particularly um, sticks out in my mind that was when um, Sterling broke his jaw right okay. when Dean Richards went in goal I don't I don't remember that but yeah <laughs> fair play so I remember when I read that remember I thought I remember this game because he, yeah. he collided with Eric Young right, and he right, broke his right. jaw and he was down I thought what's happened to him yeah <laughs> I mean there was there was some there was just some poor football Mark Atkins I didn't like at the time uh, as a football signing I think we got him on his way out mm. um I think I think the team just slowed down. The ninety four ninety five team was a very quick, uh, attacking gung ho team. I think it became a bit ponderous in ninety five ninety six. Mm. Fans got on Taylor's back quickly, uh, and then and, uh, a very inexperienced board um, didn't stick with him. Was it, was it a, like a, a combination of 
all the disappointments from the last four years as well. There was a bit um, of that, although I d- you forget we hadn't had that many. I think when we got promoted under Graham Turner, there wasn't a sense that we had to kick on again. I think we were just so happy to be back after the, the you know being down in in the fourth division. I think it was definitely the disappointment of the previous season, and then there was. Stevie Ball might have been sold in the summer and that, that caused a little bit of unrest. And I think we just got impatient. I I've, I think the fans' attitude changed forever once Hayward put his money in. I don't think we were as impatient and as sort of expectant pre, pre the money. I think as soon as the stadium got rebuilt and the money got put in, I think we we developed a sense of entitlement mm. and that was never there previously. Well, I remember that going around in the late 90s early 2000s where we were hated by everyone yeah just with, uh, arrogant wolves yeah and, and like you you go on to in other chapters about McGee as well mm. that didn't help things and it was everywhere everyone hated us for that reason yeah. that we were oh we're the big boys we've got the money we can do what we want and it never worked definitely yeah, no. with, without giving stuff away what other chapters in the book are kind of highlights that people would would really enjoy from obviously in every single chapter of course but uh, any, any particular bits that probably, probably my favourite chapter I'd, I'd sort of delve deep into the story of the Newcastle airlift in 1990 yeah. which is coming up to its 30th anniversary okay. uh, and I never went to that game and if I could pick one game in history that as a Wolves fan that I could be at it would be that one when we beat them 4-1 on Newsday 1990 Steve Ball scored all four goals Bobby Robson the England manager was, was watching it got him on the plane to, to Italia 90 that summer and Essentially, a group of fans got together um, and somehow pulled off the biggest airlift ever to a football match in in Britain and took eight Boeing 737s up to Newcastle and took a thousand fans up. And it's just just an unbelievable story of people bluffing their way through and trying to find a way of getting it sorted. And they just pulled it off. And it's just magnificent. And it's just like it's it's my favorite type of story. It's a, it's a human interest story. Yeah. And it's with people with real humility. And they just became stars. And there were loads of stars of that. So that's probably my favorite story. And then um, there's one, there's a chapter with Danny Bath. If I'm going to look at a footballer, who, a, a decent human being who represents the city of Wolverhampton well, and um, is a, is a great role model in life. Danny Bath, I'd say, is a fantastic character, and he he tells he, we do a story about you know his journey as well. Mm. So, but there's, there's hopefully there's quite a bit in there. I I love the landlady one. Oh yeah, she's great, isn't she? Yeah. So I know Arthur anyway because I, yeah. I went on the coaches for years, yeah. but I know Arthur. But that was I love that that chapter. That was superb as well. Yeah, again, another you know yeah, Anne Shora, who's had a you know bit of tragedy in her life as well, uh, and came up to Wolverhampton and built built a life here, and then started taking players in again around the time mm. of Graham Taylor coming to Molyneux, just taking the the trainees in, and she's been the club's longest serving landlady, and has got had so many players come through the system, and she runs this amazing house helping the players. Yeah, again, another phenomenal person that you don't normally hear through. Uh, which helps paint the picture of the club and why the club's so yeah. special, I think. So, Bitten by Wolves, then, when is it out and where can people get it? So, it's out next. It can be pre-ordered now if you go to the Waterstones website and mm-hmm. just search Bitten by Wolves. Um, but it's out next week. The club shop are stocking it in advance, I think. And then, uh, after the club shop, it's in Waterstones in town, WH Smith in town, and then Amazon and the usual places. And as a, I think you're going to give a copy or... Two away, yeah. are you? We'll so wait for that in the post. Yeah, we'll, we'll the, give that away. The, print, the printers are working away. They'd run out of gold for the front cover, so <laughs> they, they were delayed in the printing. I was expecting a signed copy to my favourite podcast, <laughs> yours. Uh, but yeah, Bitten by Wolves, uh, go get it. Uh, right, gentlemen, it's time for the quiz, everybody. 
Time nervous. for the quiz. You're nervous. I am nervous. It was my, my debut quiz, so... Oh, is this only your first quiz? It's my first quiz, so I'm... Oh. You can only, things can only get better. What your debut be like? We'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> right. Um, you, it's your, you'll need to get your phone out then okay. for this. You'll need to get your phone out, Johnny. Yeah. What, what, can we, we cheat in this quiz? This is brilliant. <laughs> no. what, what a we, quiz. We did have whiteboards, but they got lost. <laughs> so what we do, it's just to make it fair, just get like notes out on your phone just to write down your answer oh, okay. uh, yeah, so yeah. that we don't all kind of go, oh, I think the answer is this. Oh, oh I, I see, also yeah, think yeah. the answer is this. <laughs> Uh, so Dan's done the quiz thank you very much Dan once again for doing the quiz uh, so the first question is this uh, 12 years ago this week Wolves beat East Midlanders Coventry 1-0 thanks to a 94th minute winner from who 12 years ago this week yeah. so what date what date's that uh, someone do the maths 07 07 yeah so 2007 then uh, Wolves beat Coventry 1-0 thanks to a last minute goal I would say from who this is the colour Oh, Johnny, it gets better. It gets better. You think this is tough? It gets better. I feel like Stu's already locked in with his I answers. Am, I don't, it's, as usual, I'm doubting myself because I think have I thought that too quickly. <laughs> okay. So Stu thinks he's got an answer, mm. Matt. Just going for something. I'm just literally pulling... I, I might go for the same answer for every question and, <laughs> and you know, it's going to stick at some point yeah. in, in time. Johnny, have you got yeah, something? I've, I've written something down. Okay. So, uh, Stu, let's go with you first. What did you write down? Soul, which is wrong. Soul, you've gone for soul. Matt, what have you written gone down? For, I don't think I'm in the right time period. I've gone for ints. You've gone for ints. What have you written Yeah, down? I think I'm in the wrong time period as well. I've gone for Freddie Eastwood. Freddie Eastwood? I don't think you're in the wrong time period, but it, Neil Collins. <sighs> Neil Collins. Yeah. Uh, how many wins in our Premier League history did Wolves reach after beating Man City? <laughs> so how many wins in our Premier League history did Wolves reach after beating Man City? Okay, okay. So obviously you've got to, I presume you've got to factor in the 0304 season here. This is where you've got to carry the two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, play along at home at WWFC Fancast on Twitter. Okay. Uh, we'd like to find out how you got on with these quizzes. I don't think anyone's got more than three so far this season. Uh, so write them down when you think you've got the goals. Johnny's really <laughs> trying to work this out. It. Yeah, I am. <laughs> It's like his stats, he's got the league tables imprinted in his brain. Mm, actually, mm. Stu, are you locked in already? You're going for an answer? Yeah. I think I'm selling a short here. But okay, so Matt's got an answer. Johnny's now got yeah. an answer. Matt, you go first. I'm, I'm going to go for 37. 37. Stu? 40. 40. Johnny? Oh God, I come across as all right. Come on, Jim, 26. 26. It was 50. 50 Premier League days. There's no nearest answer. So selling no, a short there, to be fair. Uh, next question. Within the past week, Mark Kennedy has taken over from Rob Edwards as under-23s coach. But how much did Wolves pay Man City for Mark Kennedy in 2001? So how, what was the transfer fee for Wolves buying Mark Kennedy from Man City in 2001? Mark Kennedy getting off to a good start for the under-23s of the day, of course. Okay. Uh, Johnny, what have you gone for? I've gone for 1.75 million. 1.75 million, very precise. I've got one, 1.3 or 1.25 which one are you going for? One point three. One point three. Okay. I'm selling short again. I've gone for three quarters of a million. So three quarters of a million. Oh, Johnny was the nearest, but not bang on two million. Oh wow. Two million. So still no one on the board yet. Uh, two thousand and four. Wolf signed Rob Edwards from Aston Villa. But what other defender did you sign on a free transfer that summer? <laughs> yep. Johnny's feeling the pain of the quiz. When is that, 2004? Yes, yeah, so 2004, Wolf signed Rob Edwards from Villa. 
Uh, but what other defender did we did we sign in a free transfer that summer? I'm going to give you a clue. I no idea who this person is. <laughs> Never heard them before. Oh. Did they even play? So oh, I no. have no idea. That would make it probably even harder. This ain't going to be the usual academy signing, is it? This is this is. Um, a, I don't think we we had the usual academy signing that it, time. So it's it, it's for the first season back in the championship after Jones. I would presume so. Yeah. <laughs> so to, to shore up the defence in the championship as a regular listener to the show I'm sure Johnny realises how hard these yeah. are <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, right Stu you really locked in already you still think no I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of who he would have even played I will team. literally give you a standing ovation if you if you get this um, I think Stu's playing a poker face here right? no, he no. knows is it a British player it's not a British player I'll allow that where did they? You are allowed to pass as well if you really don't. I'm 100 percent going to graciously pass <laughs> on this question. If it's, it's not a British player. Yeah, Stu, I'm going to give you 10 more seconds. Mm, I think was it central defender? Or, or oh, I don't. I don't uh, know. I really don't know. No. No, you're going to pass. Yeah, yeah. pass. You pass. It was Joachim Bjorklund. Bjorklund from we're going uh, from Sunderland. Yeah. Uh, okay. Never heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to go to the tiebreaker oh, here. I took my tongue, that one. Next question. May 2013, Johnny Phillips went viral for his commentary <laughs> of Troy Deeney's goal against Leicester. But who knocked Wolves out of the FA Cup that year? So 2013, Johnny Phillips went viral for that Troy <laughs> Deeney commentary against Leicester. But who knocked Wolves out of the FA Cup that year? 2013. Oh, 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 oh. Matt thinks he's got it. Stu thinks he's got it. Yeah. Johnny, I think has got it, but he's just playing the game. Yeah. How did you stay on your chair for that game, though? <laughs> that was did, a great. Did you moment. even have a chair? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I kept my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, Matt, second guess him. <laughs> no, I've just put. I've got. I've got Luton in my head, but it's You've not got that. Luton. It's not, okay. It's not. It's not. You will now. put Luton down, Stu. Oldham. Oldham. I wrote Luton as well. Luton yeah. as well. I can tell you, the streak remains forever for Stu because it's not Oldham; it is Luton. Yes! So we go to the tiebreak. Both on the debuts for Matt and Johnny. Here's the tiebreak. We all go for nearest one, so someone can win this quiz. Wolves have played 198 Premier League games. How many have we lost? <laughs> Wolves have played 198 Premier League games. How many have we lost? Nearest wins, obviously. Nearest wins. Please don't make this difficult because I've got to do maths then. And then after this, we will do Twitter Corner to round off the podcast. I can't in. Uh, I'm just looking at the Twitter Corner questions. Yeah, it's got a chance. It's got a chance. We played 198 games. 198 Premier League games. How many have we lost? We I can't think of how many we actually drew. <laughs> it was always, always well, we mo- we won more than I thought, so I'm gonna go with we've lost less than I think. Okay, it's my, my, <laughs> my backwards logic, logic in it. Okay, so nearest answer wins. Johnny, what do you go for? I wrote seventy-five. Seventy-five losses. Uh, I went for forty-seven losses. Forty-seven lessons. I can tell you on their debut, may not return for quite a while, Johnny. 
is the winner. Well done. It was 95. Wow. 95. <laughs> so Johnny, on his first, well, second appearance technically. Top man, Gets thanks. the win on the I'll quiz. Well that. done. Very you joined the Illustra Club of Paul Berry, who also came oh, on. Oh, top lad, Bez. <laughs> who won the uh, Doesn't won surprise the me that Bez has come <laughs> up with a win there. Right, last bit of the podcast, everybody. It's Twitter Corner. Your chance to send us your questions. Anything to do with anything, Wolves or non-Wolves related, and we will answer them. Uh, Chris Walters first, he says, uh, What is the diameter of Traore's guns and thighs put together in football pitch size, please? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you even start with that? Well, let's go. Hulk Hogan had 22-inch pythons, yeah. so Traore's got to be around there, so that we can start there. <laughs> so we've got 22 inches of, of arm, or, or of bicep. And his legs are going to be... It's going to be double that, yeah. I thought. So we'd, we look, we're talking 66 inches. What's that, in, what's that in yards? I don't know yards. Um, <laughs> I'd say the D of the penalty area on the outside, it'll probably stretch all the way around that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I reckon so. <laughs> if, he, if he was skinned... Like the uh, Walking Dead last night. I actually I enjoyed no spo- it. No spoilers, please. Oh. I'm still yet to watch no, it. I've never watched oh. Walking Dead. Just don't see the appeal. It's to me the Walking Dead now. It's like it's like an abusive relationship. I can't <laughs> I can't stop with it now. I'm I'm committed to it now, and I've made my choice. Uh, another tutorial question from Jamie Rhodes. How would you convey Adama's pace in a statue outside of Molyneux? <laughs> you'd have, you just have, you'd have him like the Flash, wouldn't you? With with lines coming out of the back. <laughs> Would it be bronze lines as well? You could somehow. No, you'd, you'd have some kind of LED, wouldn't you? You put a wind machine at the back yeah. of it, like just uh, <laughs> like blowing like, the other way. Like the one at Woods, yeah. The one at Preston with the water. Well, that's superb statue. That is. If you know, you've been to Preston. I've been to Preston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you go around the side, there's a massive. Is it tall? You, you could save some money, couldn't you? Just put a plinth and say, "Oh, he's gone." <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Hey. Um, well, a hat trick of Torre questions. Thomas Kearney says, "If you had to pick one position for Torre to make his." And for him to be coached to fulfil his current preferred formation or a hypothetical alternative, what would it be? So if you had to say you are in this position and you will play in this formation in your eyes, what would you do with Troy I'd have him play uh, as a right forward, as a right winger, you know, as he does does now, just better in that his decision-making, um, you know, which couldn't do with time. Decision-making would be better and, you know, his crossing would be a bit more consistent than it is now. But where he plays now, you know, as, as a winger, I think, is where I prefer him to, you know, to, to give the bullets and, and open up space for, for our you know, main strikers. Yeah. You, what would you I, I, I pretty much agree with that. But it's weird, though, now, I'm not... Like last season, when he was... when he was Even towards the start of this season as well, when he was tracking back, he always feared the worst. <laughs> and I don't anymore. You think, well, he's, he's turning on the pace going backwards as well. So... Right forward, mainly, but if needs be, keep him as wing back. He's doing fine, Johnny. Do yeah, you, I go yeah. along with Matt and Stu yeah. on that one. Definitely, I think. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Because he suddenly mm. filled you with loads of hope and uh, and sort of promise and, and possibilities. <laughs> Just to bring it all t- down. Then he'll turn up <laughs> the next game and the crosses will be fired into the north <laughs> bank or everything. Oh, crikey! Here we go. Uh, Rob Cartwright says, "If you wore a cloak of invisibility, would VAR pick you up?" <laughs> <laughs> no, with the cameras at the minute. No. I'm going to say no on that one. Uh, another one, uh, our friend Nathan Judas popped in. I think it's more towards you, Johnny, this one. <laughs> uh, has Johnny worn the sa- um, Sashel Beret jacket combo that he brought after the fashion show in Shanghai yet? Not when I've been out with uh, friends just on private nights when I've not really told anyone I'm going out, just to my yeah. usual sort of... Haunts. Illicit clubs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> 
Um, and then a final serious question from James. Tell, tell Nathan as well. I, I should have sent it back to him last week, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stick it in the post. Uh, James Spencer says, with Jimenez finally getting a break, Jota looking to return to full fitness and the success of 3-5-2 on Sunday, are we likely to see more rotation between the two main formations depending on teams we play? What do we think? Do we might mix it up with the 3-5-2 and 3-4-3? I think we can now. That's, I think that's the main difference this season compared to the other two. Whereas when we tried it before, it's always been a complete disaster. Um, I think now they look like they've they're coached in both somehow. Yeah, out of nowhere. So we've got options now. So I wouldn't be surprised if we play Southampton. It's three four three. Matt, what would you do? I mean, and I know I've literally just said about how much I hate a tied cliche of the European football and the Premier League yeah. campaign, but but you know, rotation is inevitable because of the pure amount of fixtures that we have, but. Being fluid in, be, in being able to change those formations, A, means we're not typecast and we're going to be harder to play against. And B, it just allows us to mix things up and have, and have a plan B, something which some pockets of Wolves fans have said that Nuno doesn't have is a plan B on some occasions. Whereas, you know, he's proven that it is. You know, he's able to coach for two different formations that have two very different attacking styles. So I think we will see a mixture of the two depending on our position. Johnny, the final bit on the podcast, it's all yours. Yeah, no, I think there's a, a sense that we've become a slightly tougher nut to crack since mm. we've managed to look you know, proficient in both. Um, and I, I'd be happy to see us walk out onto the pitch in either formation, uh, going about a job in either way. And I also think that different players probably are better suited to different ways. So, in a sense, one player would do better work in the front three than, mm. than he would in a you know the other the other system. So yeah, I, I'm I'm all for a more fluid approach and embracing the, the bright new future. Good, good. <laughs> and on that bombshell, then we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You can follow us all week on social media. Just type in Wolves Fancast, and you'll find us there. Remember, bitten by wolves. It's too kind. Week. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. No, thank you. It wasn't the worst experience of your life. No, it's great. Good. It's really, really good. good. And I got a cup of tea out of it as well. Anyway, you get a cup of tea as a result. Yeah, it's usually squash round here, but it's special <laughs> guests get the cup of tea. Yeah, well, we, we don't want any more babies related to no, this podcast. No, either. no. There is everyone who drinks this fertility squash within the space of a year gets their wife. Present. Oh, my race is run on that one. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, but yeah, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. For this week is bye from Matt. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. Bye again. from Stu. Adios. Bye from Johnny. Thanks for having me. It's bye from me. See you next time. Estás atrapado en el tráfico, pero luego hay una recompensa para ti. Una modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Mantienes la calma a pesar de las bocinas, las largas filas y los gritos. ¡Muévete! Así que al llegar a casa, sírvete esta dorada y refrescante lager. Porque tú sabes que tu paciencia vale oro. Tú eres un luchador y esta es tu recompensa. Modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Todo con medida importada por Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.